Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Over the course of a year, Gabrielle Calis set out to put together an illustrated book of all the wonderful and weird things you can find in Florida. It took her nearly 600 pages. When she was done, Gabrielle had curated something uniquely beautiful. It's called Florida, with an exclamation point, a hyperlocal guide to the flora, fauna, and fantasy of the most far-out state in America. It's all wrapped up in a puffy pink cover like it's actually bursting with information. You can learn how to fight off a shark and the strange history of Coral Castle, how to roll a cigar and the importance of Florida A&M's marching band. And no matter which part of the state you're in, Gabrielle found locals to tell us how to have the perfect Florida day. It's part travel guide, part history book, part field guide about how to survive and thrive in our state. Gabrielle worked with the film company that produced the award-winning movies Moonlight and The Florida Project. So it's not a Florida man book. It's a useful tribute. Loving, authentic, hilarious, mystifying. And it's written, illustrated, and photographed by natives and longtime Floridians. How to wrangle all these things into one book? Well, it took someone raised in our state, a culture and nostalgia reporter for the Tampa Bay Times. That's her actual title. In short, a real Florida woman. Gabrielle Calise. Welcome, Gabrielle. Hi, it's so good to be here. Uh, it's it's great to talk to you because, um, full disclosure, right up front, uh, when you started working on this book, uh, you slid into my DMs on Twitter and you were like, can I talk to you for this book? And I kind of dictated, a, I, we, we had a conversation and that became one of the stories uh, in uh, in Florida. And, uh, and I was so glad to be a part of it. So t- let's start with what this book is not right? It is not a Florida man book, right? It's not making fun of Florida. Right. We really wanted something that was going to honor all of the wonder and whimsy of Florida, but there's already so much out there that punches down at Florida and Floridians. And right. so we wanted this to be a celebration. Right. It's like we, we came we came full circle on this thing, like like the whole Florida man stories and the Florida man theme and the, and the, the, the weirdness of Florida was like it started there uh, it's what grabbed, you know, grabs the attention in Florida. But then you did something totally different here, which is like you you worked with people and you partnered with people who really were from Florida or who really understood Florida. Talk to me about that, about how you, you know, about that ethos, right? Well, when A24 reached out, mm-hmm. it was a super broad sort of prompt. They mm-hmm. said, we want to have a book about Florida because they had produced these gorgeous movies that are set here. Um, And that was pretty much the extent of the instructions that they gave me. And I knew that I wanted to do this with a similar approach that I take at the Tampa Bay Times. Mm -hmm. And so in doing that, I've reported on everything from strip clubs and women who sell hot dogs in thong bikinis Mm -hmm. to like more serious subjects. And at the heart of of all of that um, is is people. Right. And so what you don't want to do is punch down or, or make light of real stories as silly or goofy as they may seem on the surface. There's there's heart to it and there's emotion to it. Right. Um, and I knew that I wanted to take this opportunity where there's a national spotlight to kind of take people along for the ride. And I also knew I didn't want to do it alone. So I wanted to pass the mic to Floridians because it's such a diverse state. It's so big. That's why the book kind of ended up so big is it just there's so much there. And even now, like in the last year, I've thought, oh, gosh, if we do like a volume two, this could go in it or we should tweak this or we should like, you know, circle back to this person. But you really can't tell the story of Florida without 
bringing everyone along for the road trip. So that's what I wanted to do with this. Yeah, it's it's encyclopedic in a good way, right? Like you broke up the book um, into seven sections, which I thought was really interesting. Like I had never thought about the, you know, the many the many Floridas, right? And and you did that. You kind of broke it up into all the different parts. And I realized when I look in those sections. There are Florida people that I that I recognize. As a matter of fact, there are past guests. There are at least two past guests uh, that are that are like, tell us about your perfect Florida day, or one of the people that you highlight, like this is a Florida person from this area. Um, and I found that really endearing because it spoke to me like you guys were really trying to be authentic about it. Who was um, on the show that you recognize from the book? Oh, it was um, uh, the the founder of the Atlantia Journal. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, uh, and uh, Nadej Green, who's uh, who's like a hero of ours down here. And, and she, you know, so look at look at those past shows. Jason Katz uh, was the, the guy from the Atlanta, the founder of the Atlantia Journal, which is a really cool publication. How did you find those guys? Um, I actually reached out to Samantha Gross, who at the time was at the Miami Herald. Sam Gross. We love yes. her. We and love her. She's at the she's at the uh, Boston Globe now. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but at the time, she was either here or she was like uh, in the process of moving. Um, and so for all the different sections, I, you know, well, I have to back up a little bit, actually, mm-hmm. about how, how this kind of process came together. Can yeah. we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so A24 reaches out. It's summer of 2021. And they say, let's do a book about Florida. But like, could you send us sort of a proposal? And, uh, you know, it was how should we divide up Florida? how long should this be give us a timeline how much money do you want like all these things and i was like i don't know anything about how this works i had um just wrapped up contributing to a field guide for wild sam they're this company that makes these really cool pocket guides to different regions and cities and they're all sort of based uh, in history and like deeply deeply rooted in culture of, of the area so i had helped out with you know the gulf coast guide and i had a little bit of an idea of like what goes into writing a travel book Mm -hmm. um but i had no idea sort of how to divide it up so i was like i'm gonna just make a list because i i'm I'm a big list maker and so i (laughs) i started to write out you can tell because the book is super like as big as it is it is super organized and you can find your way around it i'm a virgo so (laughs) um you can tell like that should i should know something by that comment but i don't but the people will understand we're we're very (laughs) organized people um and so I was like looking at different like region maps of Florida and different things. And so it was like, well, I know that I want to start by writing my chapter. Mm. And then, you know, we should have like North Florida, but it's, you know, there's Northeast Florida, Northwest Florida. And I guess that's like the panhandle and there's Central Florida, which is really kind of squishy. All of it's kind of squishy. Like I, I battled with myself for so long of like, it really should be southeast and southwest Florida. But then at that point, I was like, but we already have the keys and that's like seven sections and I can't do eight sections that will break me. <laughs> um, and so as we're figuring out, like, I guess we being like myself and like all the other screaming Gabrielles in my brain are just like, what do we do? What do we <laughs> the do? The other six Gabrielles in your head, right? Yes. I'm like having this like internal struggle um, of, of how to divide this. It's like, well, who would I want to tell these stories? Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I knew my buddy Nick D'Alessandro in Central Florida, who has this great podcast called Wait Five Minutes. He would be the perfect person for Central Florida because he reports on weird Florida history all the time and he does it with grace and thoughtfulness. But you really feel like immersed by it. Um, and I knew, you know, that Sam would have suggestions for South Florida. And, and so it was a lot of this was like 
I do the pitch. I had like a, a short list of, of folks who would be potential contributors. And then I had a list that was like potential interview subjects. So you, you really, I, I thought, I think it's really interesting that you, it was very collaborative. Mm-hmm. You know, you act, you know, you're not listed as a writer, even though you wrote sections in it. You're really the curator. So you get all these voices together in one room into the Florida room, so to speak, you know. Yes. Uh, and that that's so great. I think that's what makes it authentic. Well, I thank you. I, I really wanted it to feel like it was all of us kind of having like a chorus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we were kind of on board and we were starting, um, I was having my writer hat on, but I also was like editing and curating so at the same time as I was you know pitching a list of stories for the Gulf Coast chapter to be kind of like our blueprint for the rest of the book I was also just like you know like you said DM sliding reaching out to people and so yeah Jason had come through Sam and I reached out to him and so he wrote um, a lot of the stuff in the South Florida chapter and so so talk to me about that so you're reaching out to these different folks who are different parts of the state Mm -hmm. and so I imagine throughout you are learning things right Give me some of that. Give me some of the things that kind of blew your mind, like when Sam reached out or Jason reached out or Nadej or what have you. So, well, how, how it worked was like first I, I I knew that I had a list of like people that I wanted uh, to, to be like my uh, contributing chapter writers. And so it was like reaching out to Nick, I think, was like the first one. Mm-hmm. And then Jason came shortly after. We had a North Florida writer, but we had to swap her out. So Catherine Varn. Um, who mm-hmm. is a, a great writer. Now she's at Axios Tampa Bay. But at the time, you know, we knew each other from the Tampa Bay Times. She grew up in like the North Florida area, went to school at UF. So I was like, great, she can fill in. And then she helped to, uh, well, I, th- I think at that point I had found Ashira Morris uh, in the Panhandle. And she's really cool. She lives half of the year in Bulgaria, half of the year in Tallahassee. It's a very interesting sort of dynamic, but she's a freelance writer. Later, I would find out that like Catherine was friends with her from UF. They were like- There's always a connection. Always a connection. She was in her wedding. Everything's connected to Florida. So like, what are some of the stories when they start coming in? Some of the first ones that really like catch your attention, like, oh, I have something, we have something special here. So Ashira had stuff for the panhandle. How this worked was basically like I had a list of stuff that I wanted for each chapter, but Mm -hmm. I also sent each contributor a survey. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, who is your unofficial mayor of your part of Florida? Like, what are the oldest institutions in in your area? Like, what are the coolest ones? If you're bringing someone, uh, you know, to have the perfect weekend, like, where are you taking them to, to impress them or to surprise them? And Ashira just came with some of the weirdest stuff in the panhandle. I mean, I, I did not know about worm grunting. What is worm grunting? Give me give me the 30-second description. <laughs> it's like snake charming, but you're luring worms out of the ground. Oh, my God. So you have like this, a Pied Piper for worms. Yes, you have a stick, and you're, like, wiggling it, and it's making this grunting noise, and then the worms come out, and you catch the worms, and you're a hero. Um, and they have, they have, like, a worm grunting festival. Um, she talked about uh, some of these other weird traditions, like the Florabama mullet toss. Are you familiar with the mullet toss? I'm not. I'm not. Let's okay. hear it. The mullet toss. I'm in. So it's like mullet like the fish, uh-huh. not like the hair. But you Although can... Although I'm sure that is represented in this book somewhere, maybe. The mullet. Gabe had drawn some mullets. Yes. Of uh, both kinds. The, the illustrator. Yes. Gabe. Alcala. Gabriel Alcala. Alcala. Gabriel Alcala, who did... He did all the, the illustrations of it, right? And and the illustrations... I mean, he's a very gifted illustrator. He's, he's illustrated for the New York Times and, and then some. And he's also like... Perfectly Florida. He's also a musician, right? Yes, he's in Jacuzzi Boys. He is multi-talented. And he just had 
such a ball with this. We did struggle with the maps. Each chapter, there's like a fold out page and it has this map of all these like kooky Florida characters and creatures kind of crawling out around the region. And it was like, well, we knew that we had to kind of cram a bunch of stuff in there. And he was like, well, what if we stretched out sort of like the panhandle or whatever? And I was like, it has to be somewhat accurate. It has like to we, be somewhat still looking like Florida. Yes. But but you did let him kind of create. So tell me about the, the mullet tossing before we. Oh, yes. Away the mullet the tossing. Um, yeah, he did such a beautiful job. He, he illustrated this like step by step guide at how to win the Florida mullet toss. And what this is, it's, it's like they're at the Florida Alabama line. There's mm-hmm. this beach bar that's there you sign up uh you get a, a bucket full of fish you throw them over the state line and whoever wins uh, i mean everyone is a winner if you participate in this this Amen. is, this is a, a great thing you've to do already, if you've discovered it and you're attending you've already won yes but if whoever throws it the farthest from their little sand circle where they have to stay inside you get like a plaque i think maybe there's like a free meal honor obviously like um and so Gabe illustrated like step one grab your fish like step two whatever and and we did this research where it's like how do you win the Floribama mullet toss and the secret which is in the book but I will tell you now in case you go which you should mm-hmm. is you fold the fish in half and then you throw it like a football oh I'm I, I have I'm having trouble picturing that because it feels like something very cartoonish but I'm sure that he illustrated it perfectly like that yes and it's just you know this this guy on the beach and he he like looks sun-kissed in in the, the illustration and he's just whiffing it through the air our guest today is gabrielle calice she's a reporter at the tampa bay times and the editor of florida a hyper local guide to the flora fauna and fantasy of the most far out state in america so clearly a24 who published the book got the right florida woman to do it because she gets it um so talk to me about about that Florida woman. Tell me about like what. Give me your bona fides, right? Give me your Florida credentials. We usually on the show we talk about what are your Miami creds. You know what's your South Florida cred. So give me your Florida cred. Okay, so I think that I uh, truly became a Floridian when I was like around ten, nine years old. We moved to Florida um, when I was little. Um, my mom is a podiatrist, and so we were, you know, up in Ohio. She was looking for work, and there's a lot of podiatry jobs in Florida. There's a lot of older people or people with messed up feet. So, <laughs> All right, and let's just stop on that. People with messed up feet. Yes. Welcome to Florida. Welcome right. to Florida. Um, I mean, this was like never her plan. She and my stepdad were like, well, if that's where the job is, like, let's take the kids, let's try it. We moved down. And like within a year, it is 2004, and every Floridian knows what happens then, which is just hurricane after hurricane. I want to say like three hurricanes back to back or so around then? Yeah, it was yeah. bad. And at first we were like, this is the most fun ever. It's like a snow day, but it's a hurricane day. And then it's a snow day, but we could all die. Yes. And it's like, oh, we get to pick out snacks. We get to, you know, play cards. We don't have to do our homework. Like there's no power. So like we can't do anything. And then yeah. you're like, this is the worst experience of my life this is terrible um and so i I think but somewhere between like surviving that first really bad hurricane season and then just like accepting that there's like lizards and palmetto bugs and all these weird critters everywhere like i i think that's when i started to like get used to it but i mean it, it wasn't until probably like my time at the university of florida where i was like i i fully had accepted it because so, yeah, because you came to Florida young enough to where you had memories of a different place 
and then you get here and did you feel like you fit in right away like you came from a like you have a Lebanese background I think I remember reading so big Lebanese community not like a huge Lebanese community in in like the central Florida area right right so it's like you're used to having these like big family gatherings you know visiting my grandfather at his store mm-hmm. that he had in Cleveland and he would like make you like a little shawarma sandwich and like then you'd go to like hang out with your cousins and it, it was it was a great community but um, Florida was just very different and we moved a couple times did you miss that miss that here yeah yeah I, I think that like I ended up finding it now I think it, it would be like really hard to leave Florida because especially like St. Petersburg Tampa it is like a small town wrapped up in a larger metropolitan area and mm-hmm. I just love running into people I love like going to get coffee and then you see like three people that you know how did, how did you build community here then like you know if, if that's obviously so important to you how did you what were the ways that you and your family found community here? Hmm. I think it was really difficult because of the sprawl. So, like, sure. we started in St. Pete, and then we moved to Dunedin, and then we were in Clearwater. But I went to high school in Palm Harbor because that was where the IB program was. So it was, like, mm. just a ton of, of, you know, driving all around the county. And then I think, you know, going to school in Gainesville and seeing a different type of Florida and and really finding my people within like the music scene and then also within uh just the the journalism school and realizing every time you report on a story you're kind of like building this map with like a new point on it and there's like it just the web gets bigger and bigger and i realized that as you're telling stories of a place and like really digging in deeper to it it kind of like makes it richer like do you yeah. feel that way about like being a Absolutely. journalist Absolutely. when you when you're we were just talking about this this morning when you it's you're building a beat you talk to one person that person leads you to another person and you go further and further and further down the rabbit hole of whatever your beat is yes I, i'm curious that that music and journalism were like right there with you where did where did music come into your life because i know you write about some music at the tampa bay times as well yes yeah, so that's like my new sub beat that i have which is great but i mean when I was growing up and, and I was a, a teenager, you know, we were in like the north part of Pinellas County and I would just beg my mom. I would say, can you please take us to St. Petersburg to Central Avenue at the State Theater? There's this band playing and I want to go and, and, and see them. And I remember, you know, it's like when you have an older brother, you think everything that they do is the coolest in the world. And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would go to shows with him and his cool but scary friends. And <laughs> and what kind of shows? Who are you seeing? What kind of bands were, were opening mean, kind of? Opening your eyes. I, the first show that we went to where I was like, I want to be a, a journalist who covers music was uh, I was in middle school and we went to see Arctic Monkeys at the Ritz in Ebor. Oh, and what I, a great show to start with, right? It was such a great show. And I brought my mom's like digital camera and I took a picture and Alex Turner had his hair like kind of flopping forward. And I was like, wow, I'm, I, I need to do this. And so I saved up my money. I bought like a DSLR camera. And then when I was 14, I was like, mom, can we go to St. Petersburg across from the State Theater? There's this bar and they're having like a street team meeting for Warp Tour. Can I please go? I just want to like see if I can help. And maybe, you know, you got to be part of the scene, mom. And she was like, whatever. Um, She was very supportive. Can I go to this bar at 14? Yeah, go for it. She was like, (laughs) I'll come with you. And we go. Uh, Smart, smart. I'm like, I didn't know what a street team was. I didn't know like what what that involved. But she was like, 
yeah, this this will be good. And at the time, I already knew I was like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write books. I'm going to, you know, I'll be a journalist because that's how like you learn how to write even better. But I was like, but, you know, I had this whole plan cooked up and we go to the street team meeting and they're like, well, we need someone to like blog and take pictures. And I was like, I could do it. And so my mom was I'm like, "Now writing, taking photos. I'm, I'm doing it about music, which I'm interested in. Yeah, Look yeah. Look at me becoming a journalist. And so, but my mom was like, "I have to come with you." And so we like go, and and we went to Vinoy Park in St. Petersburg, which is like beautiful, except for during music shows, it's, it's just like dust bowl. It's like mud. Mm. Um, and I was taking pictures and and getting to like sit in on y- these like backstage conversations, and then I had to blog it all up, and it's like still online somewhere. But I just thought that was the coolest thing in the oh, world. I want to go find it now. It's probably not good. So, but you found your tribe. You yeah. found your tribe, and then you get into college. You're you UF grad, which you know, pound it right here. We're another fellow Gator. Um, and then, and then, so you really begin to dig into music and Florida culture. Then, mm-hmm. so I was doing um, some features reporting, actually, like a, a little bit later, before uh, in like my teenage years, but before I went to UF, mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Times uh, used to have this program. It was called TV Two. It was a newspaper for and by high school students. Wow. And it was like an unreal experience. They would never, you know, like newsrooms just don't have the resources to do this anymore. But at the time, it was like students from all over, uh, you know, the the two or three counties near the newspaper mm-hmm. could come in and they would write and pitch stories and they would learn how to edit. It was like real Tampa Bay Times editors who would like coach them through the process. So then it was like, oh, now this is how I see you can like want to go to a, a, a festival and here's how to like go and cover that. And So you're already learning ways to become embedded in Florida in your community and tell these stories. Yes. And I was like, wow, like local news is really cool. I, I like that a lot. And I go to UF and uh, I just like need to try everything. Right. So mm-hmm. um, some people know like what they want to do. And I, I like in my brain, I think exactly what I'm doing right now is like the dream job and always has been. I just didn't think that it would exist. Yeah. Because I remember when you posted about that job that you were the new, it was like culture and nostalgia reporter and i was like this is this is like such a florida job right it's such a, a way to really dig into that what so you you didn't ever thought there would be a job like that what what do you what do you love about it what has been obviously aside from making this book florida what has it uh allowed you to do and what what things have it really like what has it opened up for you i guess i think it's just really cool to have a beat that centers around an emotion and it's mm. something that is broad enough where I can have fun and like one day I can be like, I don't know, writing about this ridiculous long lost tourist attraction. And then the next day I'm like trying on like pirate costumes. And then the next day I'm like at someone's house and we're talking about like their old family photos. Like it it, it really allows me the space to kind of spread out, but also to just like narrow in on like very specific memories that people have. Mm-hmm. And I think the stories that we find that do really, really well are the ones where there's that strong emotional tug. So like weather stories always get people, (laughs) right? Uh Food, people like have strong feelings about that. They have strong feelings about their sports teams and traffic and like weird stuff that's happening on the roads and things that they see on the side of the road. Right. Okay. You mentioned lost Florida attractions. So let's, let's do it. Which, what are some of the ones that you, that you've written about and some of the ones that folks would love to hear about and remember? If I had a time machine and I could only go to like a weird old Florida attraction that doesn't exist anymore, 
I would actually go to two. One is I would go to Cypress Gardens. I was just about to say Cypress Gardens, but go ahead. Yes. Uh, we're going to the water ski show. It's now it's now uh, Legoland, right? Yes. Or next to Legoland or something? It's It has be like the area, the land that that occupied has become Legoland. And I think they still do Brickbeard's Lego shows. So you can see like Legos water skiing. But I want to see like this guy, Banana George. Did you ever get to... Experience. I, did, I did experience the water skiing at Cypress Gardens. I am I am that old, folks. I am that old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to do that and just like see all the spectacle and the southern bells and like the big hoop skirts and the parasols and whatever. But I also would love to go to Webb City in St. Petersburg. Okay, that I don't know. What's Webb City? Webb City was the world's most unusual drugstore. <laughs> and so it was like a, all right what makes it what makes it an attraction okay this was like a mall before malls became a thing and uh there was this gentleman named doc webb and he was like we're gonna sell bed sheets and hamburgers and you can get a haircut and you can get ice cream and it's it's gonna be like all like block after block it was like oh gosh i want to say like 30 city blocks don't quote me on that no not 30 30 uh why do I want to say 30 was an important thing? It was huge. 30 yes. city blocks is, is like a city. I don't know what I'm talking about. It anyway, was, It was a long stretch of, of like where someone had taken the, the city code of what things should be next to each other and just thrown it in the trash. It was a very, very big building. Right. Uh, it's oh, making me lose my mind. Anyway, uh, you would walk in and there would be like flash sales. Like all of a sudden the lights would go off and they'd be like, you know, a toaster is like half price and it would just be this whole thing they had like robot chickens that would dance they had like mermaids they had uh, weird events they had just this whole spectacle and so if you talk to anyone in in st petersburg who knew someone who worked at web city or they had gone to web city when they were a kid they're like oh man that place was a trip um and obviously it did not last but i just need to see it i feel like i feel like it has a place in our in our in our present time like the place like that could definitely thrive bring it back the instagrammers would love it and and um, you mentioned like mermaid stuff and i know we have mermaid stuff in the book because wiki watchy is is a thing and like but you know what i love is that you have fun the topics you all have fun with you don't make fun of any of them you almost treat them almost earnestly everything in the book is almost very earnest right yes i think that um this is like these jobs that people have whether Mm -hmm. you're a mermaid or you work at gatorland or you work at Publix. like that's your job that's your career Mm -hmm. and i want to know why you love that or don't love it or Mm -hmm. what draw you to it like everything is valid everything is fair play i think sometimes like people come in and they're like this is a really crazy thing and I'm going to write about it. It's like you don't need to, to to exaggerate it any more than it is. You just present people with the information that is like almost too ridiculous to be real but you do it in a way where it's like you want to have care for your subjects and, and they care for you. Like we're all kind of here together in the swamp sweating our butts off like <laughs> you know we're united in that way. Right. Tell me about some of your mentors. Who were the folks uh, both at the times or coming up who you know in and out of journalism that really helped focus you and really helped Um, help you along in your career? I think number one, we have to start with my mom, who Mm -hmm. is the number one storyteller. Shout out to mom. What's her name? Lena Georges. Dr. Lena Georges. Dr. Lena Georges. Shout out to her. Um, I mean, this woman, you lose her at Publix and you run into her and she's like, you know, telling her life story to this woman in in like the butter section. And then that woman's (laughs) crying and they're exchanging numbers. And it's just like, she like knows how to have a conversation with anyone. And she 
oh, interesting. So she really can strike up a conversation. I, I can see how that could be useful in the life of a journalist. Right? It's great. And also, like, she, I think, taught me the value and just, like, you, you have to, like, a- approach people in a way where you know even if they're having like a bad day or, or they don't have like the the greatest first impression on you like you have to treat people with kindness and just like don't let that affect how how you are um and, and that, I, that's funny because when i was when i was doing a lot of reporting um you know i'm almost 30 years as a print journalist i i was always aware of someone had, had mentored me early on they said most of the times that you approach someone will be the first time that they're ever speaking to a reporter at a newspaper and you have to remember that, like you were going to be their first experience to them. So you want it to be a good one, right? Yeah. You, you're an ambassador for this entire industry, mm. even though there's like a, a million different sort of like worlds of journalism underneath that umbrella. You have no idea sort of what people's expectations are of it. And this is every experience is an opportunity to like give someone like a good first impression. Mm. Um, so I think just like growing up around my mom and like kind of absorbing the way that she, you know, would talk to patients or talk to people that we would run into. And just like she's, I think, overcome a lot of really difficult things in her life. Mm. And you would never be able to tell because she's just always smiling. Oh, so how has she received the kind of work that you're doing, this kind of very person-to-person relatability and telling stories? She has so much fun. She's, she's like, so supportive. I think at first, like, so when we talk about other mentors, you know, uh, I have to mention John Martin, who used to be at the Tampa Bay Times, and he was uh, one of our former research librarians, one of the last ones we had at the paper. He and I worked the Sunday shift together when I was first starting the paper. He was the Sunday editor. And we he would show me how to use the archives, and, and we would talk about all these crazy things. And one question we kept coming back to was, uh, why does Tampa have so many strip clubs? And so this was one of the first hmm. sort of, like, Florida nostalgia pieces that I did at the times and then it turned into sort of like an accidental series of like strip club history and lore um which is we're having the most Tampa conversation right now right and like it all intersects with like politics and architecture and you know like people's stories and things like that and so like my mom up until that point she was like I can understand like you want to be backstage and you want to be like talking to people at shows and you want to be going to all these places she's like why why the clubs I was like mom you just have to trust me like these are not just like salacious stories to be salacious like these are people stories right and that was so much of that series and people can find that links to that on on your website um people should google that um just gabrielle gabrielle um and you do that you tell the stories of these not just you know women but also the owners the politicians and you really kind of create a a picture of the players and that became kind of a cultural moment right like that that idea of like Tampa being quote unquote the strip club capital of the world, you tell the story about how looking back and how that became and and what came of it, right? Yes. So like the first one that I did, which eventually my mom like she she understands it now, and she was <laughs> like, okay, she's like, go forth. Uh, she's like, if you need a bodyguard, I'll be your bodyguard. I'm like, mom, I'm fully clothed. They want nothing to do with me. Um, but like you know, the, the first one in this sort of like unofficial series was the story of uh, the one time in the '90s when the city of Tampa tried to ban the lap dance and Mm. they were like we're gonna do a six foot ban and if you try to you know dance on someone then like you're gonna get busted and dancers had to be six feet from the club patron or whatever yes and so uh Joe Redner who owns the Mons Venus over there on Dale Mabry in Tampa like very close to Raymond James Stadium he was not having 
any of that. And he was like, I, the dancers and I are going to show up to your city council meetings. We're going to speak. We're going to fight this. He, he found a lawyer who would go to battle with him. That lawyer gave me this giant binder. It was like, I think, a four-inch binder. It had all the transcripts from this meeting that lasted 13 hours. So you're looking back at all these historical events and telling yes. them kind of from, a, from a, a perspective of looking back. There was a battle that happened. But also, it, this is important because that man and his, Joe Redner, his like, political uh you know theater and it, first of all it worked and mm. and the city backed down eventually they passed this ordinance to to ban lap dances essentially by not allowing you to be within six feet but joe redner made it such a pain to enforce and he was like i'm gonna fight every single one of these send every if, if the dancers are going to jail i'm gonna contest it i'm gonna like whatever that not only did the city give up and they're like whatever and they're still oodles of strip clubs in tampa but it gave us this reputation because people had heard of the mons venus it's not a big club it's like it's not you know f fancy or anything like it's it's fine in there but like the thing is like this myth that was sort of created by it. And then, of course, the Mons Venus is across the street from 2001 Odyssey, which has a spaceship on the roof. Right, right. A spaceship that was one of those houses of the future, like that they built around the state. And it's like one of them still still uh, exists. And it's like now it's part of a strip club, which. Yes. Welcome to Florida. That's where you can go and you can have um, the private dance. And uh, I did write about this earlier this week because they were tenting. Uh, 2001 Odyssey for termites. They're just like any other Florida building. Drywood termites got in, and so they had to get a special lift to put the tent over the spaceship. The spaceship was fine. It's made of fiberglass. Right. But we call it a spaceship, but uh, like somebody had designed what they thought the house of the future would look like. And yes. they were in different locations, and you could buy one, and they were kind of modular, I think. Yes. And now there's like a few remaining ones. There's I remember there used to be one right next to a... Um, I want to say like a red carpet inn that my family used to stay at when we went up to Disney World. And I was like, this is the house of the future. It had a little robot guy in it. Yeah, uh, if, if you go on, like there's a one guy in Texas, he's British, but he lives in Texas and he's documenting the the few remaining Futuro homes. There's less, than, fewer than a hundred, I think of them. Futuro homes is what they're called. Futuro, F-U-T-U-R-O, Futuro homes. And they were supposed to be like resilient against any type of weather. It was supposed to be like, you go, you buy it, you can live in it. You can get one with like shag carpet and like round furniture already added in there. Yeah, baby, shag carpet. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the 60s and the 70s. Um, but yeah, there, there's not that many left in the world. There, There is one that's an Airbnb in Joshua Tree. If you want, you could stay inside. I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Gabrielle Calise. She's the culture and nostalgia reporter at the Tampa Bay Times and editor of the book Florida, a hyper-local guide to the flora, fauna, and fantasy of the most far-out state in America. So we've talked so much about, you know, your background and how like building that building that um, that that knowledge base that you need to, to write a book like this. And the part that was really interesting to me is that this book is published by someone that we think of traditionally as a as a film company, A24. Like, what did you how did that happen? How did that come together? The cool thing about A24 is like this is a company that just goes for it. I mean, I think it's very rare to have like a, a, a the the choices that they make yeah. are unlike other choices that companies are doing mm -hmm. and 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 this is what makes them stand out is that they will tell stories and and focus on people and and do these kinds of experiments that um no one else is really doing it and so and they have real florida ties like they, they have did real florida they ties. did moonlight which won the oscar they did uh the florida project um 
which which got several Oscar nominations. So like they have strong Florida connections. They they really wanted it to sound like actual Florida, not like uh, uh, police scanner Florida. Yes, like lived in Florida. And so A24, they are a, a film company, but also kind of a little bit of a lifestyle brand. So if you go hmm. on their website, they have this store where you can buy really, really interesting stuff. Like, uh, have you seen the film um, Everything Everywhere All at Once? Of course. Okay, so you know like the hot dog fingers? Yeah. You can buy gloves that have hot dog fingers. Perfect. And shorts that say A24. And I need like, those. Like, you can do like... Oh, all... don't they sell a Marcel the Shell with shoes on? Didn't they do that? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was one of my kids and I, one of our favorite movies. Yes, like, and so yeah. like, they also are doing publishing. And so when they reached out to me in 2021, they already had like this roster of really gorgeous screenplay books. So like a coffee table book where you could see beautiful pictures, both stills from these films, mm-hmm. as well as like behind the scenes kinds of stuff. And then like the screenplay or like annotated stuff. They have a zine club where like every month they'll send you a new zine uh, that was like created by a filmmaker or an actor or someone involved sort of in the industry. And so when they reached out, they were like, we want to make more books. But a lot of the books up until that point had been focused on a specific film or TV show or like film concept. So this was really the first time they were like, what if we did a book based on a place? Right. So tell me about the reaction so far to to the book, because I understand it's been it's been at least reviewed in lots of places already. Yeah, it, it's it's been terrific. I mean, I don't think they were expecting it. It sold out within a few months. And then there was a couple months where they had to go and print more. Um, and That then, has to tell you that there was a hunger for something that felt real and felt three-dimensional, right? Yes, and it's just been shocking like to, to hear stories from people not just all over Florida but all over the country or having people reach out from like you know friends I haven't talked to since I was like a a little kid or something and and they reach out and they're like my brother in New York City has this book on his bookshelf or like people saying like I was at an estate sale or uh, not an estate sale uh, they do this like bungalow tour in St. Pete where you can go and you can just like see people's cool bungalows they're like I saw your book on the shelf at someone's house like uh, you know the bungalow tour sounds like that could be in volume two of Florida if you ever did it or adding the bungalow tour it's a, it's a cool <laughs> event and just but people reaching out one woman was like can you print more of these in time for my wedding i want this to be our guest book because we fell in love in florida oh wow so like hearing people their their enthusiasm for the project but also hearing you know what people find interesting it is fascinating because you have you know folks from all over florida you also have people who have left Florida who have reached out and been like thank you for this because I missed that and and you put into words and images sort of this feeling that I, I like forgot about or this thing that I've been trying to explain to someone and they're just like what are you talking about Florida isn't made a place and I, <laughs> I think that like in the last couple of years it's gotten harder for Floridians to like proudly rep it not because we don't love Florida but because it's like Florida's changing. There's, you know, the politics, there's the environment. The politics are so loud. Yes, right, that it's it be- so loud. That people, uh, I mean, I've heard several people that want to boycott Florida for cultural events. And it's like, you know, these things don't necessarily have anything to do with the politics going on, you know. And, and uh, like, you know, it's almost like Twitter. Like, the, the it's, a, it's a minority, but it's very loud. Yes. And, uh, you know... Th- it's just it's it's tricky you also have so much noise out there of just people making florida the butt of the joke right it's so easy to just like use florida as a punchline but there's so many like creative interesting people who are sharing you know their culture who are contributing really fascinating things and i think the thing about florida is like it's always been a place that 
it has existed because it knows how to sell itself. You have people that are trying to like package a dream mm. and, and try to get you to come to their park or their family roadside attraction. You have, you know, all these great restaurants where they're like, come and share our story, come mm -hmm. and share our food. Like uh, people come here as like an escape and it's like a fantasy. And, you know, we do have like people at the newspaper that joke that it's like the drain pipe of America because sometimes when people are coming, it's to escape something and they bring their problems here. Sunny place for shady people, as, yes. uh, as uh, Carl Heisen loves to say. Yeah. So it's always cool to hear like what people took away from the book, what their favorite part was or what made them really, really excited that we saw and put in there. What about things that I'm sure anytime you do anything like this, people say, what about or you missed X, Y, Z? Give me some of the ones that, that folks have come to you and said, you know, if you ever do another one, we would love for you to write about whatever. Gosh, I'm like trying to think. I'm thinking of one and, and we can talk about it, too, because it's a big part in the in the Gulf Coast areas. Um, the the Greek community, right? Like yeah. Tarpon Springs is like is like a surprising uh, you have this this long-standing sponging and Greek community historically uh, that's in that's in the western part of Florida. Yeah, we got we. Gosh, I'm like we should have put Tarpon Springs in there. We had put the uh, a little bit of history of like the the Greek community and the divers in the Wild Sam book that I did on the Gulf Coast. Oh, cool. and then I kind of just like you know th this the chapter that I had it was just too big. Uh huh. Yeah. There, there was so much in there. I would go and uh, you know suggest something and the head of publishing Perrin Drum at A24 who just kept me sane and had so many great ideas uh, and was this big cheerleader she was like okay so you wrote about Gasparilla and you wrote about like how there is a place for you know pirate costumes can you go and try some on and then bring us the receipt and Gabe can illustrate it perfect or, or you know okay <laughs> I like what you wrote about like Ybor City by night and by day and like how you know during the day it's this place to go and get coffee and it feels like you're like walking on a movie set and all the cigar factories and then at night there's like a, a guy who is pushing a shopping cart full of snakes and a bunch of people going to the goth club but she was like can we back up a little bit she's like can you go and like roll some cigars and like Gabe can illustrate that right. and so like she just kept pushing me to like dig in deep in these places and then I, I think that we need to do that for like uh, another round I don't know right talk to me about some of those things like you kind of broke each things up like um someone teaches you, you learn a skill, right? You meet a local person, uh, you learn a local skill uh, to that area because you broke it up into seven areas. Um, what are some things that you learned that you didn't know and like how to, a how-to that you really, or the one that you really appreciate? Hmm. How to fight a shark is information that I hope I never need to use, but you, you flip through it and it's like, I, I guess I have to become like this cartoon illustration and I think I have to be brave and like punch the shark. Um, that one was a really fun one. Um, yeah, and that, and it's also, like I said, uh, Gabe illustrated it beautifully. Like it's really fun. It's like if you ever, it, it really takes the, the terror out of being attacked by a shark maybe. Yes, <laughs> and then one that I was pretty adamant on putting in there was how to read a Florida man news story. Oh, okay. Originally when we were talking about this book, mm -hmm. um, the team over in, in New York City, they're like, could we get some like Florida Man headlines for each chapter and then we could like include the clips? I was like, I don't think that that's funny and I don't think that people are going to think that that's funny either. That's interesting that you had to, that somebody along the along the way thought about the, the quote unquote Florida Man narrative and you had to push back against it. A, a bit, yeah. And yeah. this wasn't like out of malicious intent. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, we're all in on the joke here. But I was like, I don't think that we can like honestly present this information because as 
you know, like f- the Florida man trope is really problematic. A lot of sure. these headlines, the people that are, are doing these ridiculous things, like throwing an alligator in a Wendy's drive through window, uh, they're people who have suffered from mental illness or substance abuse or this is the worst day of their life. And I don't want to like laugh at that. You know, we can laugh at politicians that are used to being in the spotlight who are doing ridiculous things and who should know better. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm not going to laugh at some person that has, you know, no idea what to do with that sort of spotlight and got there because of some really unfortunate circumstances. So the, the piece that I had pitched was instead like we can acknowledge Florida man, but what if, you know, we talk about like when you see a Florida man story, you know, let's break down like, you know, like let's 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 read and, and understand like what's happening and why. And it was like the one more serious note that I had in there and it was still illustrated. And I had a couple examples um, that, that Gabe had illustrated, but I wanted to give people just like a little reminder, not in like a like I'm going to kill the buzz sort of way, but just like, hey, and, and also like these are, are real people. And sometimes the Florida man stories, it's like they are more innocent. Like there was a woman who was pregnant and she did a photo like a maternity shoot with an alligator. That's great. Florida woman story. She's aware of herself being the narrative. No one's being, uh, no one's being harmed in the making of that story. So yes, Um, but just like a little bit of of kind of awareness of that, I thought was important. Right. So having done this, what does this make you interested to do next? Like, what are the things that now this has sparked for you? That what other kind of Florida stories do you want to tell in your career? I want to keep going with the nostalgia reporting at the Tampa Bay Times because it is just a great privilege and honor that they made up this beat for me. Um, And I also really want to write fiction, sort of inspired by Florida, rooted in Florida, um, incorporating some of like the the feelings of being here and some of the just really, really wonderful things that I've learned along the way. I think I think Florida narratives by people who have lived most of their lives in Florida are important because otherwise we get things that that seem a little off. It always has an outsider perspective, you know, Lauren Goff's book, Florida, was, you know, was really well praised. But at the same time, it's it definitely comes from an outsider's perspective. Um, what what kind of things, you know, have you started thinking about like that that you want to highlight? Like what things in your mind are are things that are special to you about Florida? Hmm. I think the people I think my experience is just like living in St. Petersburg after growing up in that county and spending a lot of time there growing up, watching it sort of morph and change. Um I don't know, just like some of the really interesting professions that I've had a chance to observe at my time, you mm-hmm. know, doing this book and at the Tampa Bay Times. Like, um, I just like last month got to go and swim with a bunch of mermaid influencers and watch them as they like, you know, put their tails on and were splashing around in the springs. Wait, like, wait, the mermaids have become mermaid influencers? Well, they're finfluencers. Oh, stop it. They stop have that. millions of dollar, followers on TikTok. Put a TikTok. dollar in the jar for that one. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's, a lot of people. Wow, they have millions of followers, the Wikiwachi mermaids. Not the Wikiwachi ones. So there's an entire subsection of mermaid performers and influencers who were inspired by Wikiwachi, who love Wikiwachi, but Wikiwachi only pays like $15 an hour to That's start. That's not great. That's not great. And it's yeah. it's a dangerous thing. And it's, it's something that takes a lot of skill and training and equipment. Um, so there's a whole community of mermaid lovers who put on like silicone or cloth tails and you know in, in some states there's like uh people with birthday parties and they want to hire a mermaid but in florida it's actually very difficult to be a mermaid influencer because there's mermaids everywhere um there was a really great netflix docuseries called mer people that came out it was four four parts and they kind of explored this concept of like 
who are the other mermaids not just wikiwachi but they touched on wikiwachi so i wrote like a brief on that and then i i came back from vacation and one of the the mermaids um who was like briefly in the series but then his the rest of the story wasn't featured he's like do you want to come swim with us like i want to show you what we do did you do it yes okay we went to rainbow springs it was great where's rainbow springs um it's in Denellen, so it's about two hours north of saint petersburg okay and what did you learn from that from having done it I think like, people really should respect the, the craft of mermaiding. It's really, really difficult physically. Um, you have to swim with your eyes open, but also be like happy and bright and you're selling a fantasy and you have to, you know, be really, really physically fit. Like you're treading water, but you also have a 40 pound tail that's weighing you down. Um, and I think that I want to get a tail, is what I learned. <laughs> well, we can go from uh, from uh, Pilates and uh, you know uh, uh, high intensity training to like mermaid swimming to like stay in shape. Yes, Gabrielle, it has been such a pleasure getting to spend the time and talk with you about your book and about your Florida woman history. Thank you for having me. This was such a treat. Our guest today was Gabrielle Calise. She's a reporter at the Tampa Bay Times and the editor of Florida, a hyperlocal guide to the flora, fauna, and fantasy of the most far-out state in America. And that's Sundown for Tuesday, August 1st. Leslie Ovaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Merch is WLRN's VP of Radio. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Balo at GoBalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundal on your podcast app. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only.